have so many ways of policing women in our community, right? You've got to be pretty, you've got to be submissive, you've got to do this kind of job and not that. You can't make too much money because no one's going to marry, <laughs> you know, all of these things. And we want to change that. We want true gender equity, we want true gender justice, and we want people to be safe. We want people to be safe. Today, how a group of women in one New York City neighborhood are shifting a culture of domestic violence and empowering themselves to be leaders in their temples and in their communities. I'm Monica Sandreski, and this is In Between Places, a show about the journey towards transformative social change. Shavana Jalwar and Simone Jangur are two of the founders of Jahaji Sisters, a gender justice organization grown up from one neighborhood in Queens. Before we jump into their story, it's important to know how Shavana and Simone are approaching their work. Jahaji Sisters is one of several organizations supported by a larger nonprofit affiliated with Cornell University. It's called the Center for Transformative Action. CTA helps people who have ideas for innovative social change through mentorship, workshops, and the nitty-gritty stuff like back-office work. So it's a safe place for visionaries like Shivana and Simone to test their initiatives and bring them to fruition. Anka Wessels is the director of CTA, and she says all of the projects that work with CTA operate with this larger worldview of transformative action. It's the expectation that effective change that humanizes everyone involved can happen. It could get kind of messy. Conflict may come, but it's done in love and compassion, especially towards people we disagree with. When we don't blame and shame and demonize others, we're more likely than to be able to build these bridges across differences. And we're also um, more likely to have compassion and empathy for those people who are the ones that are advocating for or causing the problems that we see in our communities, in our, in our society. Even though we have conflict, there's transformation in how we show up for each other. Don't we know in some deep way that the adversarial approach to social activism just doesn't work? The Center for Transformative Action sees a lovelier way, a more powerful way, in three basic principles. Breaking the silence around injustice, building understanding across differences, and working together toward a proactive vision. We'll hear more on this in Shivana and Simone's story that led to their transformative project, Jihaji Sisters. And the roots of this project started several years ago. Shivana says she and Simone have been friends since they were 11 years old. <laughs> so uh, our families went to the same temple, and we started actually going to the same Indian dance classes. It's a relationship that started way back when and uh, has really evolved. 
Shivana and Simone grew up in this tight-knit Indo-Caribbean community. Many of their friends and neighbors are descendants of people from India who are brought over in ships to work as indentured laborers in sugarcane fields in the British colonized Caribbean. It's a history that has shaped their community. As they got older, Shivana says they started to realize that more and more of the Indo-Caribbean women they knew had dealt with domestic violence. Now, first of all, Shivana is clear. Domestic violence exists in every community. It's more obvious in some communities than others, I think mostly because Poorer communities, people of color communities, uh, disproportionately are police, and there's kind of a, a magnifying glass there. And so what's going on is more exposed, whereas in uh, white families, um, in more affluent families, it's more under the radar, and they're able to keep things um, a secret. Um, however, I do think that the the cause of violence against women in our community has a lot to do with our history of colonization. Our history of colonization. Life on the plantations was difficult. Sexual and physical violence was rampant. Reports from the time show that women were often hacked to death using the cutlass, a tool laborers used in the sugarcane fields. Generations ago, um, my great-grandmother's generation, um, when women were on sugar plantations, there was a long period of time where they were far outnumbered by men. So the first ships that came to the Caribbean from India um, carried one woman for every 10 men. And so that led to a situation where women were being violated on a regular basis, and uh, there was a lot of jealousy as well. Um, and so men took to uh, trying to own women. Um, and so there was a lot of physical abuse. And often it took the form of uh, um, doing things like chopping off women's noses to maim them and to also say, she's taken, she is my property. Um, if you look at the records of violence against women back in those days, it wasn't, you know, he he killed her, he he shot her. It's things like he hacked her to death. And even today, this kind of thing is still happening. In, in um, 2018, um, Rajwanti Baldeo, a Indo-Caribbean woman in New York City, was killed by her husband in the street. Um, you know, in public, and uh, witnesses say that he had a very large kitchen knife and he was trying to decapitate her in public. And you could just see in that example a reflection of uh, our ancestry and the history. And I think that the trauma that our generations have experienced is continuing to play out today, and there's this cycle. And so I, I do think that the way... Um, that we were colonized and, you know, the racism and everything that surrounds that has something to do with the violence against women that we're seeing today. Like Shavana says, this brutal violence of dismemberment has continued in Indo-Caribbean communities. She gave an example from 2018, but it was two murders about 10 years earlier that became the impetus for her, Simone, and other young women to start to mobilize. In 2007, Gaia Jaiharda and Natasha Robin were Indo-Caribbean women in their early 20s who were killed by their intimate partners. 
at that time, it felt like no one in our community was speaking out, although these uh, were stories that were being carried by mainstream papers. And it seemed like there was outrage from the folks out there, but our own people weren't saying a thing. And the silence was deafening. And uh, we were particularly enraged because a number of us were survivors and felt like, well, you know what, that could have been me. And uh, the traditional leaders in our community who were older, who were male, were really not giving it the attention that it was due. And so we stepped up and said, you know what, we need to be the leaders that we are waiting for and fill that gap. And uh, we brought together women for the first time in the community to talk about gender-based violence. And at that time, there was much more stigma and shame around the topic. And uh, we didn't know how many folks were going <laughs> to come through. We thought maybe 10, maybe a dozen. And uh, there ended up being around 50 women of all ages from about 13 to 75. <laughs> and uh, Folks were very eager to uh, talk about what happened to these two women and also to share their own stories of trauma. And a lot of the women that were there were opening up about what they had gone through for the very first time. This first gathering was the start of Jihadi Sisters, a movement to end gender injustices in their own community. Remember earlier when we talked about transformative action? Well, this is the first step in transformative action, that first step in effective social change, breaking the silence around injustices. Doing so reminds us of our common humanity and brings us in solidarity with each other. It takes courage to, to speak out. Here's Anka Wessels again, director of the Center for Transformative Action. Um, and when you do that, not only is that transformative for yourself, but it's also transformative for those people who um, see you do that. And if they see you do that, you know, maybe they're more likely to have the courage to do so themselves. This action alone can be transformative for everyone involved. That was the case for Shivana and Simone. This first gathering was a time to consider violence against other women and recognize the violence committed against themselves. You know, at that time, too, I think that the space was also an opportunity for us to connect with each other as a feminist who shared the same culture and ethnic background. I think, you know, we hadn't had a chance to do that before. And so that was groundbreaking for us in our own personal lives. And uh, we were able to also, you know, look internally at things that we had experienced um, in our own traumas and to think about them in a political way. And so um, for me, and I think for a lot of us, it was a moment of, um, of, self-growth, personal growth, and empowerment as much as it was, you know, us working to empower others. The word jihadi is a term of solidarity. It means ship. And just like the nature of the violence had its roots in colonialism, so does the title jihadi. After the end of slavery in Great Britain in the mid-1800s, British plantation owners crammed men and women from the subcontinent of Asia onto ships to work as indentured laborers in the Caribbean. 
Even though these men and women were from different parts of the continent and spoke different languages, Shivana says they found solidarity with each other and started calling each other Jahaji Ben and Jahaji Bai, ship brother and ship sister. So Shivana, Simone, and the other women in Jahaji Sisters claimed the title in solidarity against a different oppression, domestic violence, and the culture of silence around it. For 10 years, they've held regular support groups. For 10 years, they've held regular support groups called Sister Circles, where survivors can share their own stories of abuse and engage with feminist ideas and raise up women leaders. We are, first and foremost, a movement-building organization, and uh, our goal is to shift culture so that one day women and uh, gender nonconforming people are valued just as much as anyone else's, and uh, our lives are valued in a way that violence cannot happen, where it's unthinkable. And... uh, One of the things that we're doing to get there is we are building more and more women leaders so that people can see that, uh, you know, to be powerful doesn't only mean you have to be, you know, a man or lead in a way that we're, we're used to in a masculine way. You know, you can be a woman. You uh, can be soft, you can be, you know, egalitarian and non-hierarchical in the way that you lead. And uh, in shifting this dynamic in the community and producing more community leaders who are feminist and are women, we're changing the way people see women, right? And we're making them see women as worthy, as valuable, as powerful. And I think that that is really changing things. We're going to take a short break. And coming up, we'll hear about Jahaji Sisters' recent campaign to engage male religious leaders. Stick with us. Welcome back. I'm Monica Sandreski, and this is In Between Places, a show about the journey towards transformative social change. Today, we're talking with Shivana Joawar, one of the founding members of the organization Jihadi Sisters, a grassroots movement of people trying to shift culture and end violence against Indo-Caribbean women. Shivana says their latest effort has been in houses of worship. I go to a number of temples, so... <laughs> In our community, there are people who consider themselves temple hoppers. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. So I go to a, a few of them. Yeah, that must mean so much to the other women, too, that you're part of the community, too, that you're active in the temple, too. Yeah, I think it does. And, uh, you know, whenever I go in my Jahaji sister's capacity and make myself visible, women come up to me and thank me. Some of them disclose their own story of abuse, and they say this is the first time I'm telling someone. Um, And I am actually really surprised that it's been mostly older women that come up to me. Um, You know, I think I and a lot of people um, have a stereotype that old people are set in their ways, they don't want things to change, but um, it's really been the actually elderly women that are that are so grateful um, and say, you know, I wish that I had this when I was younger. 
This faith-based campaign in churches and Hindu temples has extended beyond sister circles. Shivana says they're also trying to make sure there are women leaders in these spaces. And that what is being preached is gender-affirming, you know, affirms women's equality, affirms LGBT people. And we also want to make sure that our faith leaders are trained in how to respond when their congregation members are facing gender-based violence. And so we're planning to have a, a training for faith leaders where they go through a Deconstructing Patriarchy 101 and also learn you know, what to say to folks when they're in these situations and where to direct them. Because right now, what we're seeing is that people will go to their faith leader for help, and oftentimes that person will say, well, you know what, just pray on it. God will bless you. God wants you to stay in this relationship. You know, advice that really is uh, uh, colored by the patriarchy in, in the culture. Even as far as the parts of scripture that are talked about during religious services. Mm-hmm. And there are stories of very powerful women that just often aren't talked about, or the one, the parts of scripture that are talked about might be interpreted as, you know, being dominant over women. Am, am I getting that right? Yeah, I mean, I think our community is majority Hindu. And uh, it's actually really ironic that our religious communities have used uh, scripture to subjugate and dominate women. And the way they interpret it has disempowered us when uh, we have these powerful goddesses. I mean, I think one of the things that... um, the, that mainstream has gotten right is there are these depictions that I'm sure you've seen and many of your listeners have seen with Hindu goddesses and all of these arms and sometimes you know they're holding weapons or um, you know they are clearly you know warriors and uh, those are not the stories that are usually shared from the pulpit. However. They're there. You know, there's a story, for example, of uh, Draupadi, who uh, was uh, the wife of, uh, I think it was four different brothers, and there was a fight over her. The brothers lost her. I mean, this is like an epic battle story, and it's, um, I think it's, it's kind of Game of Thronesy. But <laughs> the, um, the brothers lost her in, uh, I think it was a dice game with another set of warriors, and uh, um, which, first of all, is really messed up. Um, the folks that won her were trying to strip her of her clothing, and uh, she started praying. She started praying to Lord Krishna and her sari, you know, this long piece of cloth that Indian women wear just kept growing and growing and growing and so they couldn't unravel her (laughs) and you know it's often shared as this story of a vulnerable weak woman but we could see her instead as uh, this powerful woman who had control over what happened to her and her body you know and see her as one of the first me too you know warriors and uh, women who uh, made an impact in that way, but we don't tell the stories in that way. And so what we're trying to do is uh, to look at uh, the stories in our holy books from our own feminist lenses and our lived experiences. 
By working in their temples, Shivana and Simone are moving into the next phase of transformative action, building understanding across social and ideological differences. They're finding shared values, in this case their faith, in working from that common ground to eliminate a me-versus-you mentality and consider what's best for all of us. But the journey of transformation is bumpy. Shivana says while she, Simone, and other women can identify the culture of silence around domestic violence as a root problem, many people in their community have a harder time. Have you gotten any um, pushback? Yes, and I think that that means we're doing something right. So (laughs) we definitely had a few religious leaders uh, who have not taken kindly to what we're doing and... uh, One, for example, actually got up on stage during an event after I had spoken, and I had left by this point, so I'm hearing about it after the fact. But he got up on stage and uh, talked about how, uh, you know, the women in this community are trying to uh, change things, and they're trying to take over. They're trying to um, step all over men, and uh, that it's an insult to the Hindu culture and our way of life. And, uh, you know, obviously when I heard that, I was appalled and uh, um, the the way that it was told to me, the audience was similarly <laughs> appalled. And, uh, um, you know, to me, it just says that, you know, we're hitting a nerve. We're doing something right and that it's inevitable that things will change. Part of the key to this second principle of building understanding across differences is recognizing we are all part of a larger broken system. So director Anka Wessels says that means honoring the dignity of people you disagree with and being hopeful for change instead of responding with cynicism or indifference. And that's, that's kind of a big deal. That's yeah. not easy, Yeah. Right? To do so in a way that's not about finger pointing, it's not about blaming, it's simply about saying, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And Shivana says, we see a better way. What does success look like in Jahaji Sisters? From what we're talking about, it sounds like there's been a lot of it, you know, Mm -hmm. of, of women saying that they've never talked about this before but being Mm -hmm. able to share that with you. I, when I think about success, I think about, you know, 20 20 years from now, what do we want to exist for our people? And for me, it is uh, women feeling truly liberated, truly powerful and unpressured by society to be any kind of way. That's not what they want to be at their core and in their spirit. We have so many um, ways of policing women in our community, right? You know, um, you've got to be pretty, you've got to be submissive, you've got to do this kind of job and not that. You can't make too much money because no one's going to marry, <laughs> you know, all of these things. And uh, we just want to change that. We want true gender equity, we want true gender justice, and we want people to be safe no matter what their gender is. So it's definitely a world without violence and a world where people can be their whole, most powerful, most bold and beautiful selves and really just 
live the life of their dreams, regardless of their identities. It's an inspiring vision and the culmination of the journey of transformation, turning the problem of devastating domestic violence and othering into the possibility for connection and imagining a world where we can encourage communities that are life-giving and bring each of us to thrive. Creating that future isn't just an idea, though. Jahaji Sisters is bringing it into the present. It's a daily walk through the in-between places, like our name suggests, of the almost but not yet. That means facing daily, harsh realities. For one, abusers are often very controlling and isolate the people they're abusing. So Jahaji Sisters works on logistics. They try to hold sister circles during the day when a woman might be headed to market and could tell her spouse that she stopped at another store. We're often the first touch point for women when they're looking for help. And I think when they see people who look like them, who speak like them, who've gone through the same or similar experiences, it becomes really comfortable to approach us. You know, isolation is definitely a tool of abuse. And I've talked to so many women who no longer have friends because their abuser, you know, told them they couldn't hang out with their friends. And we're actually a way for women to reconnect with the outside world and to build a community and to have people there who are supporting them. Jahaji Sisters is helping to break the silence, to create the possibility for connection, and empower a community of women to live each day in that in-between place on the road to transformation. That's our show for today. Tune in next week for another story of connection. In Between Places is brought to you by the Center for Transformative Action, an affiliate of Cornell University. Do you have an idea for innovative social change? It's wonderful. We cannot wait to hear from you. Reach out to CTA at centerfortransformativeaction.org. The show is written, edited, and produced by Monica Sandreski. Special thanks to Cornell Media Relations for production assistance. Music today by Body Surfer and SRO. We'll see you next time. Thank you.